Jordans, and you're listening to the Can Bear Podcast. That's right, and they're hardcore. Make sure you keep listening. You don't want to get pruned. And welcome to another episode of Candare, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And I'm Randy Hardenbrook. And boy, have we got a special episode for you today. This is somebody we've been wanting to get on the show for some time. And boy, oh boy, if you don't know her uh, by her name, you know some of her characters. We've got a hell of a list here to go over. And uh, this is just the tip of the iceberg. She's Bubbles from Powerpuff Girls, Timmy Turner from The Fairly Odd Parents, Raven from Teen Titans. Uh, she's DC's official voice of Harley Quinn and Batgirl. She's Miss Minutes from Loki. MCU royalty. Gentlemen. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twilight Sparkle, My Little Pony. And here's something that I was ever so delighted to learn was that she was Ashi from season five of Samurai Jack. Mm, yeah. So we've now had Samurai Jack and Ashi on the show. Yes, we have. <laughs> <laughs> we welcome voice acting legend Tara Strong to the show this week and so excited to have her. Again, how long have we been wanting to get her on the show? Long, long time. time. Long time, and here we are. Uh, we talked to her about all kinds of different things growing up, uh, just some of the roles she's portrayed, and her role in the new show on IMDb TV, Pretty Hard Cases, which uh, all episodes from season one are now available to stream on IMDb TV. It's a lot of uh, letters to say consecutively, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? But it sounds like a great show, and I'm really intrigued about her character when she was yeah, talking about yeah. it. The so. trailer looked awesome, and then after talking with her about it, uh, it seemed even more awesome. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, very excited to check that out and very excited for you all to hear our conversation with her. But before we do all that, don't forget to find us on Twitter at CandarePod and on Instagram at Cand underscore Air. And if you like what we're doing, want to support the show, get a little uh, extra bang for your buck, go over to our website, CandarePodcast.com. We have a Patreon link there with quite a catalog of content for you to uh, get in on for the low, low price of $5 a month, $10 a month if you want even more. How many projects are on there? There's a over <laughs> over 40 of the Candor Patreon pod by itself. I don't even know how many are on there now. And there's probably, I know we're about to put up the third Comic Vault episode. There's two radio theaters. There's canned classics. Unlimited content on there. The traumatic episode. Oh, there's all shit. kinds of good shit on there. And at, again, the low, low price of 5 to $10. You won't even know what's missing. No, you won't. You won't. You really won't. And there's merch options, people. Mm-hmm. And if you just want merch without becoming a patron, there's also a merch tag up there to click on and uh, get a t-shirt, a mug, some something with our, our shining little logo on represent. it. Represent. Gotta represent. Word. What better way to fucking do it? That's right. <laughs> what better way to do it? <laughs> Uh, what else am I forgetting, gentlemen? So we are proud members of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Mm-hmm. Check out evergreenpodcast.com. See all the great shows. See us. Uh, and also, if you're in the Columbus, Ohio area or don't mind commuting, September 25th, the Tour Gaming Expo at the Super Kick Facility in Lewis Center. Come check us out. We're going to have games, toys, prizes, video games, cash money prize for Dr. Mario Tournament, cosplay. Us. Fun. We're going to be there. I mean, Camaraderie. What, what else do you want, people? What else do you want? Promo code CANDAIR for 10% off at checkout. Can't beat that. 
See, we're the podcast that just keeps on giving. I don't know. I don't want to toot our horn too, <laughs> too hard there. Are we forgetting anything, gentlemen? Nope. I think the listeners want to hear our interview, so yeah. let's hop on to it. I do, too. So let's just get right to our conversation with Tara Strong. Tara, I want to thank you so much for taking time to uh, be on the show and speak with us tonight. This is uh, quite the honor to have you on the show, finally. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. The pleasure is all ours. And uh, before we get started, just how are you? How's your summer been? Good. Hectic, but good. Um, I can imagine. You know, I wrapped, I wrapped uh, the first season of Pretty Hard Cases, and then I flew back to L.A. And then the Loki craze hit, which was like this unexpected present that I just kept getting to open every day. What's so that was Loki? really crazy. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, I, I've never seen anything like it. Also, the show's so good such a good show you know i didn't even know what it was when i was auditioning for it because it was all top secret and then you know after getting it i didn't know how huge it was going to be and then i didn't know how much people would love miss minute so it was like wow wow wow. (laughs) it's been it's been a busy summer but a good one i can imagine well well so many things to talk with you about but before we do that i want to jump back to your starts uh when you were a child i've heard you say in another interview that at five years old you knew you wanted to be an actor slash singer I'm just curious as to how a five-year-old can is even aware of those kind of things. Because I, I was still thinking at that age I could grow up to be a Ninja Turtle. And you're not? No, I'm not. <laughs> no. I mean, Greg Sipes did it, and look at him. Um, <laughs> no, I really did. Like, I always had a performer spirit. I remember jumping up in front of my class in pre-K and singing in front of people. And um, I started performing, like, really young in my synagogue. Um, like, you know, once a week at the children's choir and they made me the soloist. And like, I had that sort of rush of entertaining very young. And I, I think like it's in you the same way people like can paint or draw or sure. anything creative by nature. I think when you're a performer, it's like in your veins, which, which is why it's hard for people to give up if they don't get their shot. Cause it's like, it doesn't matter how badly you want to be successful in this business there are so many other elements and factors that go into your success so it's sad when people have it in them from birth and they never really see that to fruition I feel that I feel very lucky that that I've had so much success yeah I yeah I had no concept of like the behind the scenes or voice Mm -hmm. acting or acting at all you know I just I took everything I saw on that screen as (laughs) gospel so that's really cool yeah now, another thing, you also, uh, your parents owned a candy store. You grew up in and around a candy store. I had imagine mm-hmm. that had to uh, add some uh, fuel to the fire for your uh, inspiration in the business. You know, my um, family, yeah, it was like a candy store um, in this area where kids would stock up on candy and stickers before going to camp. So it was like kind of famous because we would drive to Buffalo and import candy that Canada didn't have and kids would fill up their buckets. It would like, at that time, you could get like a handful of, you know, gummy fish and put them in a bucket bucket and have like the best sticker collections. And then in the basement, they had this area called Chuchka land where they had um, imported, as far as I know, like they were the first in Canada to import Hello Kitty. The entire basement was Hello Kitty and my Melody and twin stars. If you know any of the Sanrio characters, like there's pictures of my dad in the Hello Kitty furry suit. And then my, (laughs) yeah. And then my first animated job was the voice of Hello Kitty when I was 13, which is super weird. I think. Yeah, what a coincidence. It's full circle. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So at 13, then, you know, getting that uh, job, you know, again, having seen the property and around, well, I mean, even seeing your dad dressed up as Hello Kitty uh, at 13, working on that property, what was that like for you? I mean, was it, uh, I don't, what was it like? (laughs) Oh my God. You know, when, when 
I didn't come from an acting family. The closest thing was I had a grandfather with a canter. So I kept bugging my parents to get an agent and it wasn't a world they were very familiar with. So at 13, when, when I finally got one and I got my first big cartoon series and I got my first on-camera show, it was an episode of a series starring um, Mr. T called TNT that was shooting in Toronto. And also my first stage play. Like it was all within the first year that I got an agent. So it was really exciting. It was like, you know, starting those wheels of dreams coming true very young. Um, which again is lucky, you know, by the time I moved to Los Angeles, I already had over 20 animated series to my names. I had done my own sitcom and TV and film. So I wasn't just someone getting off the plane going, Hey, I want to be famous. I already had an extensive resume. Thanks to all the filming and recording that goes on in Toronto. Next to Mr. T. That's one thing that really, (laughs) really stuck out to me. You said the show was called TNT. I don't remember that one. Yeah, I mean, it was a long time ago. Well, I mean, not that long ago, but um, <laughs> um, he was like a he was like a detective, okay. and it was like you know they had these cases. And um, my episode, I was like a thirteen year old high school reporter, and I helped them solve a crime with like some car jacking thing, something like that. But it was really <laughs> fun, and he was super duper nice. He was so sweet. Yeah, everything I've uh, ever seen him in, uh, he seems to be. Quite yeah. the opposite the of his like uh, character portrayal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not Clubber Lang sure. at all. For sure, <laughs> sweetheart. A few of these uh, roles of yours, these iconic roles, we've got to touch on. Uh, and you mentioned, you know, when you uh, came to LA, you had already had some stuff under your belt. But I believe I had heard that one of the first roles you got when you uh, came to LA was Batgirl. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, it was a couple of years I, after I had been there. Um, I think the first thing I booked when I got there was National Lampoon Senior Trip, which was filming in Toronto. Oh. <laughs> so that was kind of funny. Um, with Jeremy Renner, who took off to much bigger and better things, but that was a really fun time. But for a couple of years, I was like, eviction notice broke. And the woman that gave me Hello Kitty called me up at home and said, hey, do you want to come do the new Gadget Boy and Heather show? And she really saved me. Like I was literally eviction notice broke two years in LA thinking maybe I'll go home because at least I work there consistently. Mm-hmm. And even with that, like it took a little while for people to know who I was. And then I booked Batgirl and Bubbles on the Powerpuff Girls and 100 episodes of 101 Dalmatians, which is very unusual. Like a show pickup is like 13. So it was 100. And that's when Hollywood started going, wow, who's, who's this girl? Mm-hmm. And of course, Batgirl, like, it's such an iconic role. Like every time I see it on a paper, I'm like, holy, I'm, I'm Batgirl. I'm, I'm, I'm her. I'm the girl in the bat. And then, you know, my first leg into DC universe, I've got Mark Hamill on one side and Kevin Conroy on the other. And like, mm. oh, you know, and, and I, I don't know. I kept pinching myself and it was such a fun show to work on. Like Andrea Romano had table reads for that show, which isn't common in voiceover. They do them obviously on camera. And for voiceover, typically um, just primetime, they, they do a table read. But Andrea did full table reads um, for the Batman series. And we all got to read off each other and play off each other and learn what all the stage directions and nuances would be. And watching them work and Arlene Sorkin and all these huge celebrities that we had coming in. And, you know, little Tara from Toronto was there. It was a pretty exciting time. And maybe I'm mistaken because I'm not in the business, but from what I've heard from other uh, voice actors like yourself who've been on the show, you know, the business has changed quite a bit from that. I mean, I'm sure you guys probably might still have table reads, but as far as like the recording of uh, everyone's part, a lot of time it's either done at home or by yourselves. Is that true or no of the business? Well, before COVID, we would have um, full cast recordings for most animated shows. 
which mm-hmm. I think is so much better because you get to play off the other actor. So right, much of right. acting is listening. And you may think you might know how someone's going to do something. And certainly if you've been working with them for a long time, you have a pretty good idea. But every so often someone does something a little unusual and you might want to respond to that. So when we have full cast records, aside from the fact that most voiceover people are the most amazing humans and we all love each other. So it's really fun and collaborative as opposed to sometimes the on-camera world that can get catty. It's like a very collaborative, supportive, fun, fun world. So it only behooves everybody to have group recordings. The only time they don't do it is if it's a video game or a feature film. And typically it's because there's so many lines in a video game. Like we don't have to make everybody wait for me to get my 10,000 cues as Harley today. You know, it's like a (laughs) tremendous amount of work. So um, the only time that it's really been noticeably different is, is during COVID. And thankfully um, voiceover is the only leg of the business that really didn't miss a beat. You know, the minute everything shut down, we were still working from our home studios. And my agent got calls like, from A-list celebrities suddenly wanting to do animation, and she's like, "Sorry, like if you don't have a, if you don't have a setup and you're not ready to go, right. you know, forget it." So it was really lucky that I had that. But yeah, now everything is virtual. Everything is virtual. Crazy how the industry can change so much in uh, such a small amount of yeah. time, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now jumping back to Batgirl, you know, you just said, you know, it's a surreal thing for you to be her. I'd heard you say that you grew up collecting. Batgirl comics. Uh, how how extensive was your love of comic books? Was it just Batgirl? Did you branch out into any other comics? So my dad had a World War II museum. He was very eccentric. And he had, not to make y'all jealous, but like the first edition to 10 of like every comic. Oh, and oh. I, yeah, I would go down and read them all and, you know, old like vintage stuff. And then for when when I looked at things that were more modern, I, I was more like, I liked the funny stuff. Like I loved, I would buy every Archie double digest and, um, you know, Casper and Wendy, all that stuff. I really sure. liked that um, a little bit later in life. But my sister collected Wonder Woman and I felt like I needed something. So I loved Batman and I loved Batgirl and I liked exploring that world a lot. So again, just like one more layer of meaning when I booked that role. Absolutely. Now, Harley Quinn. We got to touch on Harley <laughs> Quinn, Miss Harley Quinzel. I had heard you say in another interview that voicing Harley for you is therapeutic, and I'm just very uh, curious as to why. Why is why is Harley therapy for you? Well, first of all, anytime you do a voiceover job for a, a game, like I said, you're by yourself. Mm-hmm. So a scale rate for actors is up to four hours. So when you're in a group recording, you get little breaks, but when it's just you for four hours, and I know you guys probably know this, you get tired, even if you're not doing a thousand death sounds and you often are. So that's why you won't find many successful voice actors doing video games, unless it's a director they know and trust. So they don't blow out their vocal cords for something else. And sometimes it makes you cranky that I'm going to have to be in there for four hours by myself, but I never get cranky when it's Harley. There's something about her that really does feel like therapy where I get to get out all my frustrations and all my crap. And I just get it out with her. And over the years, she's grown from an abused woman, you know, under the thumb of a pretty crazy misogynist to her own power. And that really started happening in the Arkham games. And I went through similar stuff at the same time. And sometimes I'd come in, I'm like, she'd say something that would feel really significant and relevant in my life. And, you know, every time I'd come in and there'd be a new outfit and she was just getting more kick-ass and more kick-ass and more like her own wings. And by the end of it, like Harley's a damn phoenix, you know, she goes, I hope he doesn't hurt me today. Like I'm going to, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this podcast. Swear away. I'm just going to fuck your shit up. 
back and it like felt so good, you know, to go there with her. It was like, so yes, girl power. And I loved it. I love it so much. I'm doing one now. I've been working on um, the um, Suicide Squad game for a while. And it's like so much fun to just scream as Harley. <laughs> I didn't think about that. I mean, she is probably very unique in your pantheon of characters you've given life to for you to voice just for that simple reason that you get to uh, very little censorship around her, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I would say was more would be drawn together. Other than that, my stuff's pretty PG-13, <laughs> but not drawn together. It's not Drawn PG-13. together. Was yeah. that the uh, on Comedy Central? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, I remember that show. <laughs> that was such a who, who were you on that show? I was Clara and Toot. Oh, my God. I haven't seen that show in years. It's like uh, cartoon characters, uh, kind of like a reality show, like Big Brother. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah, exactly. It was like the real world meets animation and every cliche animated character was stuck together in this house. And I remember... You know, I'd be going from Rugrats at the time, <laughs> where I'm doing those little <laughs> baby voices, to like singing about, I don't know, you know, making out with a black chick with Free Summer, and who I who was also in Hello Kitty with me when I was 13. No so kidding. We've been, yeah, we've been really, really close ever since. And it was just such a fun thing to do, you know, when you're doing mostly kids stuff, which of course I'm grateful for, to be able mm. to really let loose in a studio, especially with your friends, is pretty fun. Sure. Really fun. That's like doing cross podcasts with our friends. It's a good time. Yeah. Usually. Oh yeah, absolutely. You you build that repertoire up with the other voice actors, and it's just nice to play kind of the different roles. Totally, totally. Now to the other side of that question about Harley being therapy, and I I guess you kind of already did answer this in your response, but was there a particular character ever over the years that's given you the complete? opposite uh effect that's just like oh my god i I can't do this character another day i need therapy after doing this character (laughs) i will say for the most part i've never disliked a job Mm -hmm. it's really like one of those you you get to do that and make a living you were born under a horseshoe like it's you know sure so much fun and you you'd be hard pressed to find a voice actor that's not happy doing what they do and getting paid it's so much fun right with that said, there have been a few cases that weren't as enjoyable, and um, I'd say they would probably have to do 100% with whoever, whether it was a, a voice um, for a video game or a series, if they didn't want to hire a voice director. So maybe one of the writers thought they could do it, and in some cases they can. You know, Butch Hartman wrote, draw, drew, was a voice and directed Fairly Odd Parents, and it was the best time ever. Ever, We had so much fun. We would do two episodes back-to-back in like an hour and a half. It was really fast-paced, and he just knew what to say to the actors to get the right stuff. And there are people like that, but then there are people that aren't, and it's good to know your strengths. Like, it's good that I don't draw the characters that I voice, because that would be terrible. (laughs) Um, So sometimes there are directors that make it gratuitous, that, you know, if you're ever going to um, see a session, um, you're going to see the actors moving around and doing their own thing and being very organic. So when the organic nature is taken out by a voice director who doesn't really know what they're doing, doesn't have an acting background or never took directing or really understands how to talk to actors, they can really hurt the process. Because if you're doing a line, you know, 300 times, what's left that's organic? And if you have 70 lines in a show, what's left of your voice? And it happens more often than not. I'm not going to say which shows, but it (laughs) happened on two major shows that I did that I really, and I'm a human that never complains. Like 
if you asked anyone, they'd say, oh, she's a dream to work with. Uh, I'll be a bitch in my brain, but I'll typically be very sweet. <laughs> and there are, there are two occasions that I, that I said I'd quit if they didn't bring on a new director, because it was like, this is going to sound dramatic, but it was like hurting my heart. Like, sure. I'm not getting, I'm not getting to play this role as I booked it, as I see her, as we see her collaboratively, creatively, there's a person stepping in, pushing this button that doesn't really know what to say. And it's making me feel like I don't know what I'm doing or I don't know who right. this person is. And you hired me because I breathed life into this character. So like have not have someone killing that joy. And sometimes when directors get too many, when you watch any voiceover session, a legacy voice actor is going to get it right between take and one, between take one and three, unless there's an action we don't know about. Mm. So if the line is, whoa, and we see a hot guy or we see, or we're falling off a cliff, we read the stage directions and it's going to be two different reads. Sometimes, oh, we forgot, you know, to put it in the script. But now after she falls off the cliff, she lands and hurts her head, whatever it is. Like, so unless we don't know an action, we're going to get it right between one and three. Because it's like anything you do every single day, you get really good at it. Sure, <laughs> like right. some people say like, oh, I really want to get good at it. You just got to get in there and do it. You know, right. it's like anything else when you do it over and over, you hopefully become an expert at it. So. Right. If there's someone that doesn't know how to talk to actors and makes them feel like they don't know what they're doing, or they're getting way too many takes and tiring yourself out and making you second guess your own authenticity and what you're bringing to the character, then it can be less enjoyable. But that's very rare. Very yeah. rare. Yeah. Somebody who doesn't let that character reach its full potential that you want to bring to it. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a shame that has to happen. We're going to take a break from this conversation with Tara Strong really quick to go to commercial. We'll be right back. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes. Hi everyone. If you're looking for a new pop culture podcast and you need something that doesn't set its bar too high or low, then our podcast is for you. I'm Luke, and with me as always is Nick. Join us for our bi-weekly pod centered around all things pop culture related. In our second season, we're talking all things 2021 through to early 2022's films, games, TV shows and more. We also have our monthly in-depth series. This season we're focusing on Batman, covering films, comics, animations, and will culminate in the release of The Batman in March 2022. We'll have guests, spoilers, jokes, and the occasional bad language. Find us wherever you get your podcasts and on social media at ConsistentlyPod to keep up to date. If you're on Apple Podcasts, subscribe for extra content. Join us every other Wednesday for a consistently okay time. Let's touch on Miss Minutes. Holy cow. (laughs) Holy cow. What a fun character. (laughs) I mean... I had, I really had no idea. I yeah. mean, I had no idea what it was when I was auditioning. Mm. And usually when you audition for something, you get a drawing character, you get description of the character, you get sides, which is a portion of the script that you read. Sometimes you got to show Bible. So, you know, the world around you. And this was very vague. Sure. And I remember calling my agent and saying, is she sentient? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. So based on what they did say, I gave them three different versions. One, a little more Siri-esque. Mm-hmm. Um, one less robotic and then one with the accent. And I think they chose the one with the accent because you have this character giving all this dire exposition, like, Hey, you could die if you mm-hmm. don't do this, but y'all come back now. Like there has to be that sort of funny juxtaposition of the very warm, welcoming Southern bell and this woman yeah. that 
you know, we'll prune you or get you pruned. So <laughs> it was really fun. And I didn't even know what it was until I was on the Zoom with Kate Heron and the rest of the MCU team. And even then, from the beginning, I didn't know how involved she was going to be. I sort of, it was unraveled to me as I went. And then um, once we were finished, I didn't know Loki was going to be that big of a show. Right. I didn't know um, people were going to love my character so much. I'm so grateful because that could have gone either way. Mm-hmm. They could have said, why is there this animated clock on Loki, this very beloved franchise? Like, why do we have <laughs> an animated <laughs> clock? Um, and thankfully, they just loved her right away. And it's been really, really fun. I'm so so grateful to the fans that they've taken to her so quickly. Loki was just such an unexpected surprise all the way around yeah, for was. me. Um, I couldn't right? believe it. Like I, I didn't think it, I would. I thought it was going to be my least favorite of the Disney Plus mm-hmm. shows, and it ended up being my absolute favorite. Uh, Mine too. Down. Mine too. I, I love when creativity is given enough budget to just go for it. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. such a beautiful show, and like spared no expenses to make every moment meaningful and magical. I just, oh my god, and it was such an amazing subject matter too. Like it sure. wasn't just, you know, a shoot 'em up. Marvel show or it had so much depth to it and things that really made you think and what a great show. And it's going to continue to get deeper. It was, <laughs> I think so. The aesthetic on so. it was great too. Just the deck, the decorating. Gorgeous. Was, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. for sure. I thought it was genius how they married the vintage look with very modern technology, <sighs> yes. but often that modern technology was like old technology, but they yeah. still made it newer and high tech. I don't know. It was beautifully done. <laughs> Just brilliant. All the nods to comics and old Loki. Oh my God. Oh, he yeah. is one of my absolute favorite things in there. Brilliant. For sure. But, and the voice that you do provide for her, you know, it's funny because even at the end, when you start to suspect, uh, spoiler alert, something's going on and, you know, she might not be who she says she is, you still. I don't know. I still have this uh, love for that character. It's and it's got to be that voice, that southern voice that just seems so welcoming. Like, come on in, y'all. <laughs> it's just, right. uh, it's just I, amazing. How could she be evil, <laughs> right? Well, and I think too, we we all loved that guy, right? I mean, Loki's oh, not necessarily true. a good guy, although in this series, he certainly, I think, has become a good guy. But you know, then there's that whole question of what's good and what's bad. But it, we do like to love the bad guy, and I think the thing that keeps us loving Miss Minutes is. We still don't know if she's sentient. We still don't know mm-hmm. how involved yeah. with the TVA she is or how powerful she is or what else she can do. If she can go from a screen to a holograph, then what, you know? Yeah. And so I think people are also still loving her because they're intrigued to see where she's going to go. Yeah, yeah, I'm on that agree. list. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely on that list. Now, this might be a really stupid question. I'm guessing it is, but... You never know, especially like when it comes with Marvel, you know, their graphics are hand down some of the best, if not the best out there, Marvel and Disney and the Star Wars, everything they've got going on. And I know with like Josh Brolin and uh, Thanos and stuff, a lot of face mapping to make that character look accurate, uh, accurate. When you were doing lines for Miss Minutes, was there any of that kind of like facial tracking going on to put your face at all onto that character? Or was it just you providing the voice for a pre-animated character? That is such a stupid question. <laughs> I knew it. We I tell him all it. the time, but he doesn't listen to us. <laughs> no, that's actually not at all a stupid question because most of the time we do do that. Often when we do something that's going to be animated and on camera or animated in a video game, there's motion capture. Even when we do regular animation, sometimes they film us to follow our facial expressions. And that's been going on forever. When I did The Little Mermaid 2, they filmed me the entire time. 
and it was wow. like my face on the rock, you know, on this with this mermaid tail. It's like crazy dream come true. But anyway, um, yeah. So they often do film you, but they didn't in this instance because it was actually already finished by the time I saw it. And oh, okay. they had uh huh they had a temp voice in there. I'm not exactly sure why, and I don't want to get it wrong. I don't know if it had been cast or if they were just having someone used use as a placeholder, but either way, they wanted to bring me in to sort of take it to the next level. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I've seen some footage of how it looked while they were filming it, but I wasn't on set for any of that and they didn't film me. I was literally just brought in when it was already a pretty little package and then I just put the ball on. Well, very nice. That worked out, mm-hmm. didn't it? <laughs> it did work out. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, you've had some really amazing characters over the years. And I was just curious if you had complete creative control, could come up with something totally new and using two of those characters to create like a new show or series or something like that, which two would you pick and why? Oh, like I have to morph two characters from two different worlds and make a show? Yeah, just like maybe like a buddy cop or something like that. Like you oh <laughs> like a dramedy a, this is a good comic-con question you must go to comic-cons <laughs> um let's see you know it's it's funny to try and think oh let's do like harley and twilight sparkle you know <laughs> like <laughs> suddenly <laughs> suddenly the odd couple roommates and that might be kind of hilarious but i think if, if i was gonna watch something i think it might be kind of dope to see harley and raven doing some shit together oh that might yeah. you know yeah that may be kind of hot i think a lot i mean of people maybe agree. maybe in it even though it got shipping i'm into it i'm into it i might have ruined i might have ruined the internet just now i apologize oh i was gonna <laughs> say this room's getting a little hot now <laughs> i think our listens on the show are gonna skyrocket now <laughs> I'll have to market that very particularly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing I wanted to touch on, you're a podcaster yourself. The Ship It Show uh, with yourself and uh, Greg Sipes, which people might know best as uh, Beast Boy and Michelangelo from the Nickelodeon Turtles. I'm just curious if you can tell us about this show at all and how it even came to be. I assume you guys just met each other on a job or something. Yeah, we met at his first job, which was Teen Titans, his first animated series. Um, Yeah, and BB Ray is like the most canon epic ship that ever was. And we're also madly in love in real life. So there's an amazing amount of chemistry between us. And when we go to cons, we'll like make out on a panel and people like love us so much. And we like like playing off of it too. So um, actually before COVID, we pitched it as a show that would be able to be taken on the road to cons, which ultimately we will do. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once COVID hit, we thought this might be a fun way to sort of entertain people while they're hunkered down. And I just love the idea of honoring and celebrating a huge part of the fandom that never gets much love mainstream is the cosplayers. And they've grown exponentially during COVID. I don't know if you follow any of the big cosplayers, TikToks or Instagram, but they really blossomed and grown during COVID, having all this time at home and doing body painting and making more costumes. And there's this whole world of humans that love the idea of living their lives as these characters for a few days or all the time or for a little while, going to cons as families, dressing up as these characters, living their lives as Harley and Joker. I've met people like at the grocery store and she's got Harley hair and the boyfriend's got Joker hair and she like I walks by I walk by and they freak out but it's like you know they're they're such a beautiful 
fun world that doesn't really get much love. So we sure. thought we'd do a show that really celebrates them along with the idea of shipping, which is, you know, imagining these characters in relationship. And sometimes we get kind of frisky and sometimes it's PG-13. <laughs> but it's been really fun to, um, like I said, honor a lot of these cosplayers that work so hard and, you know, in their daily lives may have very little confidence, but they put on, you know, a Harley outfit or a Batgirl outfit and suddenly they're completely badass. And cosplay right. knows no age, no color, no body type. You know, right. it's like no gender. <laughs> it's like the most <laughs> sure. inclusive world. So we've had a really fun time exploring that. Um, and we got to get back to it. Actually, co Greg's been out of town doing some cons and stuff, but we, I miss it. It's, it's been a lot of fun. And we, we watch it live with the fans if we're not recording live on Tuesdays and like to get their feedback. And, you know, we had Billy Bob Thornton on for the Mile of Home. Holy one. cow. <laughs> yeah. And Zach Levi came on um, during an episode. And we've had some, you know, Kevin Conroy, some pretty great guests. And, you know, also exploring like how that ship started with original comic book artists and directors and show creators and writers we like to explore the whole world of the relationships in pop culture sure i love that angle too i mean because there are so many i mean podcasts like us you know <laughs> celebrating our own fandoms and being able right. to have people you know as incredible as yourself on to uh you know talk to and nerd out with mm -hmm. but uh, right. so infrequently do you see it coming the other way from people like yourselves who inspire the fandoms we all have uh, celebrating that medium I, I just i love that it's very rare i think maybe i'm wrong but i, I don't think so no i think you're right mm-hmm uh, another thing we've got to touch on, the new series on IMDb TV, Pretty Hard Cases, which by the time people hear this is going to be available, the first season is going to be available uh, to stream. Can you tell us about this show? From what I was uh, seeing from the uh, trailer, looks very much like a, a buddy cop kind of a comedy show. It's the perfect dramedy. It's like the perfect mix of drama and comedy. And my character is so much fun to play. I kind of dress like her today. It's funny. I, <laughs> she always had some sort of leopard or cheetah print on, and I've never been a prince girl, but I kind of got into it doing Tiggy. And Tiggy <laughs> is basically if Harley Quinn was a mom. Like, she's crazy, and she would do anything for her kids. And, you know, in the beginning of the series, you think, oh, this poor mom whose kid got caught um, holding a gun in a drug dealer's house. But really, you know, I'm kind of a mastermind. And um, <laughs> it was so much fun. And, you know, the writers are so brilliant. The minute the minute I read the sides and the pilot, I knew I had to do the show. Sherry and Tassie and Amy, you know, they brought us Rookie Blue and all kinds of amazing stuff. They're so, so gifted. And it was such a brilliant script. Um, and there was a lot of very important commentary and things going on. And it was Adrian really? Moore's idea that my child be mixed so that in the opening, well, I don't want to give too many spoilers, but there's a lot that she really brought to the table that speaks to a lot of the race issues in America today. And so a lot of the stuff is very heavy and very serious, but also she's a comedic genius, of course, as is Meredith McNeil, who's just so damn brilliant. And there's a lot of women running the show in this show. And it felt, it felt really, really good. I think, I think people are going to like it a lot. And, um, once Kim Coates came on set, it was pretty great too. And he gave me like the biggest compliment. He's like, you're such a good actor. And I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> and he's like, no, no. Like, I know you do all these cartoons. And he's like, I don't care about that. Like people don't know, people don't know what you can do. And I was like, that was such a nice compliment because it was the first really big on camera role I've had 
in a series in a long time. You know, maybe the last was like Big Time Rush where I was like a regular. But this is, I'm in, you know, every episode for the first 10 episodes in the entire first season. Um, And it was a tremendous amount of responsibility with this very special character who also rises on from under the thumb of misogyny to become her own boss and it's it's pretty great it sounds oh, yeah. really damn good I can the trailer looked very good, really good as well uh that's one thing i was going to ask you i guess you just kind of touched on you know voiceover versus in front of the camera kind of roles what's what's that balance look like typically well, it certainly looks like in some ways, you know, voiceover, I get to play roles. I'd never play. I'm certainly not going to play a 10 year old boy wishing he had fairies. Um, uh, They're both so fun and so magical and they're two completely different art forms. Mm -hmm. Like when people give me advice for getting in, it's like asking a tap dancer if they do ballet and some do and some don't. And it's a completely different animal within the same world of acting and becoming a different person for a little while. And there are positives and negatives about both. But I'd be lying if I wouldn't say it's more exciting to be on camera and have all the action in front of you and play off all the other actors. And that energy, even while we were shooting, was COVID. So I remember on my last day crying and saying, I love this crew so much and I wouldn't recognize any of you in the street um, because we were masked the whole time. But the energy was just so beautiful and it was really, really exciting. And for me to get to play this character that had so many layers on camera, I haven't got to do in a while. And I'm very, very grateful for that. But they are two completely different worlds. And you have to know how to scale it back for something, you know, that's a single camera show that's just on you, as opposed to like a sitcom or as opposed to an animated show, which is going to be bigger. So you have to know how to gauge, you know, what level of energy this performance is going to have to make it authentic. I can't wait to see the show. It's great. Over the years, you voiced so many characters and worked with so many talents. And I, I know you've listed a few uh, incredible moments already uh, during our conversation here, but an incredible moment like that might be a Tuesday for you. I was just mm. going to ask what has been one of your most, if not favorite uh, moment throughout your career, whether it be a character you brought to life, people you've worked with. Well, uh, I've, I really have been so lucky. Like, like I said, with, um, Batgirl, Dream Come True, The Little Mermaid 2. I was such a fan of the original. Um, I used to run around dancing and impersonating Jody. So when I got to meet her, I shook her hand and I burst into tears in the studio. She's like, are you okay? I'm like, I've just loved you for so long. And I totally fangirled. <laughs> and um, I've had some really amazing, amazing moments with the most talented giving actors in, in voiceover. They're really a beautiful, beautiful crowd. And I think when you talk about like pinnacle of career or big moments, for me, it, it has to include the fans that I meet at Comic-Con, at different cons. You know, before COVID, there was a convention somewhere around the world every single weekend. Mm-hmm. And these kids save up for a year to go and dress up. And, you know, I'll be in London and people will say, I flew from Japan or I flew wow. from wherever to meet, to meet you. And they dress as these characters. And you realize, like, when you see them in person, how how deeply you affect people. And most people at cons say, thank you for my childhood. But I also often hear, I was going to kill myself till I met Raven, or you got me through my parents' divorce, or Fairly Odd Parents was the only thing that got my family all together and happy, so thank you. And there's been some really touching moments, like this girl was talking and talking and talking, and she was dressed like Raven, and her mom was like really crying, and I went over to check on her, and she said, that her daughter was severely autistic and hadn't spoken in five years. And when she heard I was coming, she didn't shut up. 
And I was like, <laughs> wow, wow. You know, like those moments are really, really special. Those and being a Jeopardy question. I've been that like four times. That's pretty cool. <laughs> really? That is so yeah. cool. That's how you know you've arrived. When there you go. <laughs> <laughs> we know where to set our heights, guys. Yep. <laughs> Tara, this has been beyond fantastic. Thank you so much for taking time to talk with us this evening. It's been amazing. Thanks for having me, you guys. All right. And once again, our conversation with Tara Strong. Boy, oh boy, was that fun. It, it's such an honor to have people like her on and just... Yeah, people who, you know, carved out your childhood. Yeah, it's it's a real humbling experience and, man. It's, and they appreciate our love for her or her characters. Yeah, uh, very generous of her. I mean, somebody who's voiced as many characters as she is and it's now, you know, a main character in Pretty Hard Cases... Being in front of a camera on a set, that's a hell of a lot more uh, demanding of time, I would imagine. I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm not in the business. But Talented either way. So busy and took the time to uh, sit and talk with us. So big thanks to her. Uh, you can check, check out her podcast at theshipitshow.com. That's theship-itshow.com. And you can find her on social media at Tara Strong. And I think that's going to do it. Unless you guys had anything else to add. I just wanted to uh, do a quick shout out to the uh, New Albany Buff City Commissary crew who's probably listening to this on the clock and make sure to give your uh, manager plenty of shit. Buff City, it sounds like a Chippendales training yeah, area or something. <laughs> a bunch of ripped men running around. <laughs> just with little bow ties and thongs. Yeah. Uh, guys, they hired me, so that's definitely not the case. <laughs> you manage them. Yeah. Yeah. You're the- <laughs> <laughs> um, get called into HR for this one. Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to candairpodcast.com or see show highlights, guest info, listen to the show, follow us on all our social media, become a patron, get some merch, see some of our YouTube videos, and if you'd like to be a guest or promote your work, send us an email on our contacts page. And once again, you can find us on Twitter at candairpod and on Instagram at canned underscore air and Patreon. If you just go to patreon.com, type in candairpodcast, or just go to that website Jack was talking about and click on the link, you can become a patron, get all that extra content. Uh, Evergreen Podcast Network. Don't forget to check that out. We are on there along with so many other good shows. And Randy? Torgs, September 25th. September 25th. You want some money off of that ticket cost? Candare at checkout. That's what we can do for you. Mm -hmm. 10% people. And you're going to need it because there's a lot of stuff there to be had. And that money's going to be. Well, yeah, you can put that 10% toward a game, a comic, a toy. Toy. Whatever it might, a hot dog? Are there going to be food vendors there? Outside there is. Outside, yeah. Outside? So hot dogs will probably be there. Yep. So get that 10% people. All right, well, I think that's going to do it for us this week. So until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And I'm Randy Hardenbrook. Thanks so much for listening, everyone, and be excellent to each other. This has been a Canned Air production. Well, hey, podcast listener. My name is Vince, and I'm the host of a show called The RR Show. It stands for Reddit Readings. We're going to sit down twice a week, and I'm going to bring you the most entertaining stories from all of the best subreddits that exist online. Things like malicious compliance, petty revenge, hey, lady, I don't work here. Oh, there's so much more. Lots of great stories and things you won't believe. Like the one time uh, this dude was caught in a bathroom with his friend and he was slapping them because that was the only way that he could actually legitimately help them. 
A mall cop comes in with a taser. Oh, yeah, the rest is history. It's going to be fun. There is, uh, well, I don't know, I got like 20 seconds left, so I don't got much more time to tell you another story. But just join me on The RR Show. It's from Evergreen Podcast, produced in partnership with Wessler Media. So The RR Show. Wherever you get podcasts, subscribe today. And uh, it's like an adult story time. Let's hang out together. The RR Show. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts.